Welcome to the Well and Balanced Podcast with Jessica and Tracy. This podcast is all about exploring the wellness practices that we love and diving into the wellness trends of today. We are obsessed with self-care in all forms, from face oils to yoga and Pilates, and from holding boundaries to learning about supplements. Our modern lives are busy, but we believe everyday wellness and balance are possible. So join us for candid conversations between two friends, kicking back, a little bit of fun, and hopefully a dose of inspiration. Hey friends, welcome to the Well and Balanced podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jessica Winderl, and I've got with me Tracy. Hey Tracy, what's up? Hello, nice to, I was going to say, continue talking to you because we've already been talking for about like an hour and a half, which is our usual. So this is kind of a continuation of what we've been talking about. So I am doing really great. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, wait, we just talked five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been doing this for a while, but I'm really excited for today's topic. I think we're both like a little jazz today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is it's so fun because, you know, we've been working together for, I don't know, like eight or nine months and getting our zest thing going and kind of some other projects, some other events that we've been working on. And as we've been kind of brainstorming together through this process, it's, we've been going through different iterations, different ideas, like what are we creating? What do we want this to look like? And what's our vision? And it's been so fun because throughout that process, you know, it's a lot of trial and error, which I think any entrepreneur can relate to, any yoga, Pilates, wellness teacher can relate to. And we just kind of like a week or so ago kind of hit on our new personal mantra. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, our new mantra, which do you want to go and share what this is? Yeah, I think we kind of, yeah, because I, you know me, I'm always like, what's our why? What's our purpose? What's this? Like, I, I focus on that a lot because if you know where you're going, you can make a better plan. But we just kind of weren't exactly sure what was happening. We're like, okay, we're going to adjust and trust. I I remember saying adjust and trust. And we were like, oh my God, write that down. That's what we have to be in and be in that energy. Because I think a lot of times we've, we've talked about this a lot when you're moving through life and it starts to feel heavy and like molasses. And I do think there's a culture now where, and especially in the yoga community and the wellness community and in social media, where if you're not in flow, you drop in. If it's not coming easy, it's the wrong thing. And I totally disagree with that. I think nothing worth having comes without hard work. I, I think proficiency and success in anything does come with a lot of toil, a lot of professionalism, a lot of putting in the hours. And that's not what we're we're talking about here. You still have to work hard. You still have to take aligned action. But it's when you've done all the work, when you have the experience, and when things aren't moving that you're trying to force, what happens then? That That's what we're talking about. I just want to be clear. Yeah, absolutely. And that's this kind of, yeah, I think for myself, I've gotten so used to just trying to force things, keep trying to problem solve, keep trying to like, when I have a clear vision and I'm like, okay, why isn't this working? All right. I've got to, you know, just talk to a different person. I've got to frame it in a different way. I've got to change my marketing, whatever the case might be. And what I've come to realize is 
you end up like a hamster on the hamster wheel. It's dog paddling. It's dog paddling, keeping your head above water. And I don't think anything comes through that way. And I think you lose direction that way. Yeah. When you're burning energy and it's not helpful, it's not useful. And so that's where we kind of came to this idea of adjust. And there's so much freedom. You know, everybody talks like pivot is the word that everybody uses. Oh, we need to pivot. We need to pivot. And, you know, that's fine. But I refer the word adjust because it's like, it's a little bit softer. It's like, okay, we're just going to, you know, shift a little bit here. We're going to change our perspective a little bit. And you adjust what you're working towards and how you're working. And then you trust, you let go of like trying to force the outcome. You let go of your expectations a little bit. And I think this is kind of a fine line. You know, it's not like a one, there's just like a formula you follow. You really have to lean into it for your individual experience and whatever, you know, it is you're trying to do. If you're talking about something in your work life, you're talking about something in your personal life. But for you and I, as we are co-creating something new together, and we're not exactly sure what it's going to look like, we've had so many ideas. We threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall. And each time that we kind of realized it wasn't what we really wanted to do, we just were, we dropped it. We're like, okay, we're done with this idea, move on to the next idea. And that was the adjusting part of our process. And then the trusting part is like, okay, we've put it out there, we've done the work. And so I want to reiterate what you said. Like, it's not that things come super easy or everything's just like constantly in a state of flow. That's not real life. That's not reality. But there does have to be space, I think, for the unknown, for opportunities yes. that you've closed your mind to. For you to see the opportunities. I mean, I think we can even make it a little bit more personal to have to just kind of, we're being very nebulous about what we're discussing. And yeah. I think if we make it a little bit more detailed and tangible, because it's not that if something doesn't work out one time, you drop it. I think for example, when we started Zest, we were both a little burnt out of what we were doing individually. Um, I've been working at a lot of studios, teaching a lot of classes, a lot of courses. It was a lot of marketing for that. And I love teaching at the studios. And I did that for a long time. It was absolutely great. And then I felt really burnt out of just teaching that many classes, running around that much. Love the students, but I, I knew it was unsustainable to continue. And when we got this opportunity together and we were just kind of, you know, we're friends before this. So, you know, we talk all the time. We kind of talk through our problems and we get moments of inspiration and we do feed off of each other's energy. And when the zest thing happened, it was basically like every door opened, every opportunity. Yeah. I remember we did that yoga for the rooftop. You know, the wait list was nuts. Like it was, you know so crazy the response the response in the studio has been nuts um you know we've had a lot of just everything kind of worked out in a very seamless way even though we've been doing these jobs you've been doing it for 15 years I've been doing it for half a decade and we have been grafting and then all of a sudden we were looking what our next thing was and we're super excited about the next things we are doing but we were trying to kind of force more events. We were thinking, what's our next location? And 
what I think is really important to check in with yourself is, you know, people weren't getting back to us quick enough, or we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. And we weren't really working hard at those things. Like, I think there was a lack of energy also from our part, motivating ourselves to do it. And we weren't dancing with that energy of people, you know, getting right back in touch, and there was no clear direction. And we kind of lost momentum. And instead of being like, oh, this isn't working out, let's drop it. We were thinking, why do we feel like this? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't used to do this. It would just be that dog paddling. I wasn't checking in with what's motivating me. Is this something I really want to be doing and putting my energy on? What's the outcome of this? How is this going to propel us forward? Are we adding value? Does anybody want this? Does anybody need this? Do we need this? And, and it started to feel out of alignment. I mean, we, we didn't, if you love something and it is adding value and you're working and other people are excited about it and you're excited about it, you will have endless energy to put towards that thing. And that's how I feel about my group classes and my interactions with uh, people in the studio, but this didn't have that same energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was just going to say exactly the same thing that we we had an idea of what we thought we were going to create. And we've had several different ideas of what we thought we were going to create. And as soon as the energy shifted, and I think this is really important, we both kind of started to check in with ourselves. And we're like, wait a minute, my body feels really heavy. My energy feels sluggish. Like it doesn't feel like there's this momentum or this inspiration. And that's the most important cue is this sort of somatic check-in, this very visceral connection to the information that your body is giving you. And it was funny because it happened to both of us at the same time. And then we were talking. We're really, we're in tune though. Like we're pretty in tune with each other. Yeah, for sure. But also in tune with ourselves and being like, hey, you know, it's weird. I'm kind of feeling this resistance a little bit to this idea that we're trying to move forward. And you were like, yeah, me too. And we paused, we had a conversation about it. And as a side note, I think this is super important and valuable for anybody who's in a work partnership. The honesty. Yes. The honesty and the the continual check-ins because this, it's very difficult, I think, to have a, a work partnership in the wellness space. And, and when you're friends and when you're friends, right. The lines get blurred. When's work time, when's friendship time. And I've seen throughout my career, I've seen a lot of partnerships dissolve and then friendships eventually end because of it. Um, usually I see it in the context of two friends starting a yoga studio, which hilariously is like what you and I did, but yeah. we had a different model for a yoga studio. So I think that's why we were okay. Uh, yes. we did start a brick and mortar business where we were all in and having to change the toilet paper and pay the electricity bill and things like that, which is is a whole other level of, of commitment and challenge. But because we are in a work partnership and we were able to check in and we were able to feel for ourselves, how do we feel in this situation? How do we feel about how things are progressing? And then we could bring it to the table with each other and be like, hey, how are you feeling about this? Like, are you feeling the same energy or are you still totally inspired and gung-ho about it? And luckily we were on the same page and we were like, actually, you know what? I I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah. It's like, it it felt sticky. It 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 definitely felt a bit sticky, but it also felt like we're talking a lot about it. We get jazzed in the conversation, but it's like, are we taking the action? And it's, 
why aren't we taking the action? We mm. both said like, why, why are we hesitating to take this action? Because it's one thing to show up and have these ideas. But when you are hesitant to take the action, that says more than anything, I think. Right. And that informed like us moving into this adjust and trust mantra. But one thing I'll say too is for me personally, the last few years, and I know you do kind of the same thing. I've really been paying attention to like my human design and my work patterns related to human design. And for me as a projector, I have to wait for the invitation And I also have to be really protective of my energy because I have a finite amount of energy. And some people like you, you have, you, you create your own energy. I don't. So you're able to like, you you sometimes describe yourself as a workhorse, which I think is really apt, you know, like you can just keep going and going and going. I have to be a bit more judicious, a bit more cautious with where I put my energy related to work events and work things. And for me, my biggest personal lesson, which I carry through in every part of my work life, whether it's for the Atman Yoga School or it's for Zest or what you and I are co-creating in the future, it's very much like when I feel resistance or when I notice myself mm-hmm. kind of dragging my feet or being a little slow about something, to me, that's an immediate sign I have to stop and take stock and be like, okay, you need to check in right now. What's going on? What are you feeling? Let's get to the bottom of it. And usually, you know, I can investigate far enough down to get to the root of why I'm responding in this way. And it's so helpful. It's so helpful to know what your work style is. And then for me, I'm in the space where like, if something doesn't work, like I just stop right away. And again, it's not like a quitting thing of like, oh, I'm going to try this and quit, try this and quit, try that and quit. It's more nuanced than that. It's more like I'm still working hard. I'm still showing up. but listening to the messages that I'm getting both from my body and then from external sources is really valuable. Yeah. It's so funny because yeah, and human design, um, I'm a generator, but I can just see, and if that means nothing to you, it's, it's more just to see your kind of the way you work, your patterns of work. And for me, if I'm interested in something and I have a passion for it, I can put in an obscene amount of hours and that did serve me in school and different kind of um, work environments beyond this environment. Um, and yeah, I just have endless energy for it. But if I'm not interested in it, it's like a well that's completely dry. Like yeah. once I'm done, I'm like a hundred percent done. And I'm like, I can't do this for one more day. Like it's an on and off switch. And I think that's like a really interesting thing. So with you know, as I, and also like, it's harder for me to, I think you're like a amazing vision holder. Like I remember years ago, we went to this like Lululemon event. Um, it was beautiful at American Lingen. I'm going to give a shout out oh, yeah. to Charlie Williams. You, you did such a good job, Charlie. Anyways, like we went for dinner and we were sitting next to each other. And we were supposed to fill out our like one year plan, five year plan. You were writing like a bat out of hell, like you, you had that whole form. It was like five pages. You had so yep. much stuff and you looked over at me and you're like, you're not writing anything. I'm like, I, I don't know where I'm like, I couldn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do exactly. She's like, no, 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 you're going to write down. This is your goal. This is your goal. And like, you were directing me to like have some goals and 
you know, I don't see things like that. I don't have the same, I'm not like a vision holder in that way. I can't see the final picture. I'm really good at taking action and like doing the work, but big picture stuff is very hard for me to see what's going to happen. And I've never been like that. And that's one thing I like really respected. Like you knew exactly where you were going and you like had very defined goals. And that was really interesting for me. Like we've actually noticed beyond our friendship in this process, like we have totally different strengths that do really complement each other. And I think when we were talking about when we weren't feeling like it was aligned, we both had different responses, but Mm. we were so in tune with it. And then once we had kind of gotten that out of the way, we were like, okay, maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe this isn't adding value. Maybe our lack of luster and excitement and action obviously speaks volumes. And once we cleared out that space, then we had, uh, we're not going to talk about the next thing we're doing, but we had such a renewed energy. And we said, oh, wow. The second we give ourselves space to trust, then the inspiration comes. And there might be a dead time where you're just thinking, I don't know what the next thing is. But if you, if you clear out room for inspiration, it will come. A hundred percent. And it was so cool to like witness this process while we were both in it. And I think the value of the conversation we're having right now is that we're being really honest about kind of where we're at and what we're doing. I mean, not with like super clear detail, but in terms of the process and the overview of how we've gone through this, because people listening, I'm sure are familiar with um, us as teachers, familiar with Zest, familiar with the Atman Yoga School. And it's for me, when I listen to people talk, I'm always really interested in kind of the backstory and how are they running their business and what's inspiring them to run their business and what is their vision for their business. And I just, I love that we can be really honest and be like, hey, you know what? We came out really hot and heavy with this thing. We thought it was going to be something else. And then as we've traveled the journey or the road together, and we've kind of been like doing these check-ins and having these conversations and we're like, oh, actually that's not what this is going to be. This is going to be something totally different that we really weren't expecting. And thank God that we gave ourselves the space and permission to let it unfold a, a bit more organically rather than pushing forward. And well, it's better. It's better than our original idea. Like it's, it's so way better. better. It's, and it's, it's bigger and it's it makes so much more sense. But we wouldn't have gotten there we wouldn't have gone there if we weren't really honest. Right. And it's just, it comes back for me to this idea that I think is so deeply ingrained in many of us. And it's the idea that there's sort of a prescription or a formula for how you become successful in life. And for me, a lot of that was predicated on the word should. You Mm. should go to university. You should get a good job. You should have a stable career. You should save your retirement. You should buy a house. Like all these things that I did all those things. I did all those things. I I think you did too. too. And you did those things too. So I I just want to preface go to university. It's great. I I have to say it. Sorry. I mean, I'm a, I 100% believe it's important, (laughs) but yeah, it's more, I'm, I'm just laying the groundwork for. No, no. I I know where you're going with that, but I just, I I don't want anybody who's like 19 who has a spot somewhere. Keep it going. Keep going. It's it's great. You won't regret it. Sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I would never advocate for less education, but it just this idea that there's so much internalized pressure that I think many of us feel, whether it's outright, like our, our family, our parents told us, or it's Mm. a bit more, uh, just experienced from what we see other people around us doing. And we think that there's one way to become successful, to become happy. And we are informed by what we see our peers doing and the people around us doing. And especially in the yoga community where, I mean, to be honest, everything's already been done. Like there's not really a new wheel to create here. Like we're all just kind of regurgitating the same ideas, the same workshops, the same trainings. And, and that's fine. Like it works. So it doesn't really, we don't need to try to innovate in such a radical way. But I think the problem with that, even outside of the yoga community, but anywhere in your life, is it limits your ability to see possibility. Because you're only seeing what's right in front of you. And you're seeing, okay, well, Julie over there is doing it this way. And Bob over there is doing it that way. And they've been successful, or they've had good luck, or whatever you want to call it. And so you see in your mind, you start to internalize like, oh, okay, if I want to get the same things Bob has, if I want to have this career, if I want, and I'm using such American names, which is really funny. Yeah, it's so, um, I, yeah, I love it. It's like a John Doe situation. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but we start to see in our mind, we narrow our path of how we think we're going to move forward. And we're like, oh, well, we have to copy what they're doing. We have to do it that way. That's the blueprint. Mm. And Sometimes maybe, yes, that's correct. But more often than not, it actually closes doors for us, both energetically and like actually, because then we're not giving ourselves the space. And this is the trust element of our mantra. We're not giving ourselves space to honor our gifts and to honor our vision and to honor the way that maybe we see the world a little bit differently. And so we are cutting ourselves off from actually one of the things that might be our greatest strength. And in the end, really bring us something beautiful and amazing and something we never even could have envisioned. And I want to say one more thing about this because I was having dinner with a friend last night and we were talking about this idea of, I mean, it started with like how we're raising our kids and like, you know, how it's so hard to be a mom sometimes. Like you're trying to do the right thing, but you don't know if you're doing the right thing. And we'll be talking about this idea of how sometimes you think something's good. And I'm using that in a very loose term, like a good, you got this, you you got your dream job and then you go down the road a little bit and it turns out actually it's terrible. Like it's a toxic work environment. Your boss is a bully, you know, you're working overtime. Like the thing that you thought was going to be amazing turned out to be bad. And then sometimes something that you think is bad turns out to be good. For example, and I'm using this in the context of work because it's easy for us to understand you you didn't get that job. You didn't get that internship. And you're devastated. And you're like, oh, why isn't this working out? I'm qualified. I thought I had a good interview. Like, oh my God, this was like my dream. And you don't get it. And then you find out in retrospect, the reason you didn't get it is because there was an even better opportunity. Thing waiting for you. That's 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 the juicy bits. It's like, you know, And I think that's an age thing. Like when you're younger, these disappointments affect your self-esteem and it feels like the biggest fucking deal in the world and you're devastated and it just wasn't meant for you because you were meant for something else. And, you know, someone said this to me once and I do, it's hard 
to have this in your mind all the time, but I try to. And it's how would you show up if you really believed that trust element, if you believed everything was going to work out for you? How Mm. would you move through the world? And when you do kind of have that in your mind, you become a magnet for opportunities. You really do. Because even though things don't work out, um, you believe something better is happening for you. And when you interact with people and you tell people your dreams and your and your ambitions, things just start to magically come through. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've just witnessed that time and, and time again. And I think it is that element of just thinking, if it's not holding on so tight to what you think you wanted. I also think that there has there is a prescriptive, you know, as we were talking about a prescriptive plan in this industry or in any kind of work environment where you see somebody that has done something before and they've been successful at it and you copy that and you're just showing up as a less, you know, you're not even showing up as yourself or a, a poor version of someone else. Things aren't going to work out for you and you're not going to feel fulfilled whatsoever. I mean, you you actually... I life is long and short at the same time, but like you spend most of your time at work, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And, and Mm -hmm. some people don't have as much freedom. There's going to be some stuff at work when you're in a paid employment where you're going to have to do some tasks that you don't want to do. I mean, that's what you're getting paid for, but generally even when you work for yourself, there's admin, whatever, but you generally um, have to like what you're doing and you have to have an enthusiasm for it to keep going, especially in what we're doing, because it is self-generated most of the work. So mm-hmm. if you do have that passion, when it is tough, when things are a little bit heavier, you'll keep going. So we recently had to adjust is what's going to keep us going. Yeah, well, what excites us and our why is still the same. You know, we talked about that in the last podcast episode, our why. and. Our why is the same, but the method in which we're going to execute it is going to be different. And I just love that so much to have the space and the freedom to change your mind, to change direction, to adjust how you're working. That is so cool. And Kind of coming back to this idea of like what you should be doing. I think not only does this word box you in, but I think it leads into, in many cases, a level of desperation. Because mm. if you are doing what you quote unquote should be doing in related to relation to your work, um, but you're not feeling it, like you hate it, it's heavy, you're not motivated, you're not inspired, but you're like, well, I'm doing all the right things. I'm showing up for A, I'm doing B, I'm doing C, and you're still not having the results that you want. And, you know, I have been there. I have had times in my yoga career, more specifically in the US than Norway, where I would be crying to my husband. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm doing everything right. Like I'm in the right places. I am teaching the right thing. I am loving what I'm teaching. Why aren't more opportunities coming my way? Or, you know, when I wouldn't get certain jobs, related to bigger events or related to bigger ambassadorships or something. And I can see now, first of all, it was not meant for me and that's fine. But I also, I was doing what you were saying. I was grasping on too tightly because I was like, 
I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what I should be doing. But maybe the things that I was doing, yeah, on the surface, they were correct, but not for me personally. And so then what happens is you have committed yourself 100%, all eggs in one basket. And when things aren't working out for you and the doors aren't opening and the energy isn't flowing, it just creates almost this downward spiral of like, oh my gosh, you start thinking about it all the time. You start obsessing, like, why isn't this working out? Why isn't this going better? Why blah, blah, blah. And it becomes this level of desperation. And if we're talking about within the yoga industry or the wellness industry, it's hard because our job is so weird and it's so up and down. (laughs) The payment is fluctuating. Like there's no stability in this job. There's no stability. You know, but that's, that is offset though, of course, by a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility. So it's, there's pros and cons to any job that you have, but when you work in an industry that is so unregulated and is so your payment varies studio to studio uh, based on how many students you have, based on how much exposure you have in the community, maybe. Like there's so much that is just luck of the draw, really. And that does breed when you're not in alignment with your true purpose or you're not in alignment with the way in which you're going about your true purpose, then it can feel really confrontational almost. And that that energy of confrontation, I have certainly felt that within myself. I'm sure you have too. I'm sure a lot of people listening have. And it's really distressing because you're just like, why am I feeling this way? Why aren't things working out better? And that's where that moment of trust comes in. And actually it feels counterintuitive, but letting go. Instead of leaning in, you know, we heard that message a few years ago that was so hot. Everybody's like, lean in, lean in, lean in. And I was always like, no, I want to lean out. Leaning yeah. in is too forceful. Well, it's so interesting for me with that kind of stuff because as we were saying, like, I've never had a really in any kind of career that I've done, I've never had like an end game. Like it's very hard for me to visualize where I want to go with something. And Honestly, right now, in terms of, you know, teaching Pilates and Zest, since I started, actually, the first year I started, I absolutely loved it. And I have loved this job, but I felt like I was adjacent to really my purpose. And I have to say right now, I am completely satisfied. I do love my job. This is probably the happiest I've been doing this job. Um, And with the income, with the amount I work, I am extremely happy and I have been successful and um I'm I'm really grateful. Like I it's been great and I and I still love doing it. I'm gonna continue to do it. Um I think it was for me there was like a little something missing. Like I said, I need that extra inspiration because I, I actually love showing up for I was saying this morning I, I taught a corporate you know, we were chatting. I'm like, I love the chat. I love seeing the people in the room. I mean, that's me. I love having like, you know, a regular size group and seeing the same people every week. And that really feeds me socially. It really suits my personality. And I'm, I am really happy actually at my job. I think I'm one of those very lucky people um, through hard work that I have a job I love and it's really satisfying. Um, for me, it was like, there's that extra little piece missing. and this partnership gives me that extra inspiration that gives a sparkle to my every day-to-day job. 
And it, it, there wasn't anything wrong, but I knew I needed a little bit more and we needed to adjust a little bit what we're doing. So it, it doesn't have to be like everything's gone to shit and I need to um, pivot what I'm doing, but it's, it's kind of finding those little extra things that can keep you motivated, keep you inspired and add a little, this is going to sound so cheesy, but a little zest, a little energy to what you're already doing. So you don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You just, maybe there's a little something extra you can be doing that can feed your soul to show up in what you're already doing. Yeah. And just taking a step back for a minute, our society has conditioned us to constantly be moving forward, to be hustling, yes. to go, 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 create. Okay, what's up? What's going on? What's next? And really, that's, I think, pretty damaging to our growth, both as an individual, like as a person, but then it's never satisfied. You're never satisfied. And I think that's, that's something to look at as well. Like, I mean, if we're always taught to grasp for the next thing, we miss the beauty that's happening right now. Right. And we also don't have the gift of reflection because we're just powerhousing through each stage, each phase, each thing that's happening because we're already two or three steps ahead worrying about the next thing. And giving yourself space to just take stock, to sit down, to be still, to reflect and be like, not only maybe is this working or not working, but the bigger question, is this what I truly want? Yes. I think that's more important. Like, is this where I want to be? Is this what I want? Am I happy? Mm-hmm. Because again, once that train of shoulds gets going, it's very hard to step off because you're just like, okay, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. Here's the next phase, the next step. And we, as humans, we like routine. We like stability. We like predictability. And when you work in an industry that's very unpredictable, I think many of us try to create a structure for ourselves that gives our mind kind of that reassurance of everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. And sometimes that structure we create for ourselves in terms of, I'm thinking of like a plan or a vision. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm a new teacher. I'm going to get a job at a studio. Okay, you get a job at a studio. Now you're going to go from one class a week to two classes a week. And there's like, this yeah. is the plan. And then after you've been teaching for a year or two, maybe you're going to do your first workshop. Like there's this whole vision. And, and that's the same for Pilates too, if that's the direction you're going in. But very little or very rarely, I should say, do we, when we're on the plan, do we stop at each step and say, wait a minute, am I happy here or do I want to keep going? And I said yes to everything. I just said yes, 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 yes to everything. So I did not do that for years. You did. And I did too at the beginning of my career. But you've always said a lot too that you were never interested in teaching workshops, really. And no, I know you've that's taught a few. One thing. Yeah. But I that have, was one thing you were very clear about. And you were like, why true. would I teach a workshop? Like, I don't want to. And I yeah. love that. I think that's so impactful. It's like, we don't have to do everything that other people are doing. Yeah, In that's fact, true. it's better if we find the thing that we really love and we stick with that. And my case in point is uh, running yoga teacher trainings in the Atman Yoga School when I was teaching yoga full-time at studios for many years. And 
And, and I started working in teacher training programs and I was like, gosh, you know, I really love the teacher training format. And for me, that's what gets me excited to build these relationships and connections, which has always been my why with people in a more intimate way and a more contained way. And so then I eventually was like, why am I teaching group classes? Like, I love it. I mean, it's fun, but I kind of had outgrown that phase in my career a little bit. And so then I focused just on the teacher trainings. And for me, that was such an aha moment. And it was really scary too. I want to say when I start first started having that inkling in my mind of like, Hey, why don't I just do teacher trainings? Oh my God. Could I create my own school? Oh my, it was the biggest dream. It was the scariest thing I could even think of branching out on my own, starting my own business in this way. And I knew I had a lot of faith in myself and my abilities. So I knew I was pretty confident that I could pull it off. But I was also like, wow, this isn't something everybody's doing. I have to really Mm. trust myself to take such a big leap. And I did it. And that's been my full-time job for eight years now, which is kind of crazy when I think back on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's been my full-time job. Yeah, you should be proud of that. And it's just an example of like, we don't have to, I don't teach corporates. I've never taught corporates because I don't want it. I've done privates. I taught my last private maybe like five years ago, four years ago. And after that, I was like, I'm done with this. I don't like this. I don't want to do it. And the good news is, I think, especially when we're starting our career in the fitness, wellness, yoga, Pilates world, Again, that those shoulds creep into our mind. Okay, I should be doing corporates. Mm. I should be doing privates. I should be teaching the studio. I, I love corporates, by the way. It's just so funny, different personality types because like I love teaching corporate. And we talk about that a lot, how much I actually love it. So just because it's not for you, like that, that should be a, a sign to you not to do it. Right. Well, and also what I always told myself when I gave myself permission to say no to these things that I maybe thought I should be doing, I always said to myself, you know what, Jessica, there is somebody out there who loves to teach this and it was way better yeah. at it than you. You, you're better at teaching corporates and you love doing it. So yeah. why would I throw my hat in the ring? It doesn't make sense for me to burn my energy doing something I don't really particularly enjoy just because maybe I feel some pressure to do it. Rather, it's a smarter move to redirect my energy and conserve my energy into the channels that I do love, which is yoga teacher training. And you've always said you have no interest in teacher training, running a teacher. No. Training. And no. So different ways in which different personalities and work types and interests can find their path in this career, in this job or any job. But in particular, when you're working for yourself in an unregulated industry like the yoga world. But it's just so interesting to me how we can find our way and I just love that we recently have come up with our mantra, adjust and trust. And for me, this really embodies everything about how I want to work and what I want my work life to look like. And it just, for me, hit me right in the heart. I was like, yes, adjust and trust. And so feeling as I'm just going through my day or whatever, and I'm doing emails and doing some work projects. And if anything feels a little bit off, I just ask myself, okay, do I need to adjust here or do I need to trust here? Yeah. Give it, give it some space to breathe. Right. And the answer is going to be different for everything, but it's for me become a really 
valuable kind of touching stone on the choices that I'm making. And we've talked a little bit about like, as you get older, as your priorities shift a little bit, perhaps it becomes even more important to be conserving your energy and being mindful about how you're showing up for your work life. And that's just such a gift, I think, to be able to give yourself that. And I think you you said it earlier, and I really believe this too. Like it comes with age, it comes with perspective. Because it also, I want to say that we do have the freedom and privilege to do this based on our previous work experiences. Yes. At the beginning, if you do not have a steady income and you don't kind of have uh, a stable foundation, it is harder to make these decisions. You do have to say yes more. And I just wanted to preface that it is a a privilege to be able to say no to certain jobs. And, you know, that happens over time. So I I understand if you're at the beginning of your career or you have a job where like it's paying your mortgage, you can't just decide you don't have as much freedom to make those choices. Yeah, that's super important to point out. And when we're looking, especially in this this industry, when we're looking at what other people are doing and how their careers are shaping up and what opportunities they have, it's so easy to compare yourself to other people, of course. And that's how we gather information. And sharing information is really important about who's teaching what and what classes are doing well and like what style of classes is doing well. And I think there is a lot of value in sharing information that way in our industry. But if it crosses over into a comparison that becomes damaging, it, we often forget that people are all at different points in their career. Mm-hmm. When, for example, you know, when I'm running my teacher trainings or have new graduates from my teacher training programs, I always tell them like, you are on your journey and you can't compare yourself to say somebody like me, who's been doing this job for a long time. And I hustled and hustled and hustled for years. Oh Yeah. I couldn't pay people to come to my classes when I started. Honestly, like I couldn't have paid someone to come. I mean, I just at the beginning, oh my God, I'm just trickling in a few people. I mean, it's it's hard. It's so hard. It is. It's really hard. And that's why when people start their yoga career, there's so much enthusiasm and excitement about it because that's what keeps them going forward and propelling them. Teaching yoga is a really hard job. It is. It's one of the hardest jobs I think you can have in terms of not the actual teaching. I think for many people that comes pretty easily or at least easy enough with time. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be a coal miner. I mean, there's some real, there's some real jobs out there that are. Yeah, I, of course. I'm not comparing teaching yoga to. I'm just giving you, I'm giving you a hard time. Breaking labor. I'm comparing it though to say a typical nine to five job where you come in, you punch in, you go sit at your computer, you send some emails, you log on to teams. Like teaching yoga is you have to be creative in how you get jobs. You have to be willing to work on weekends and evenings when other people you have are to want it. You have, you have to, to want, want it, it more than other people. Like you 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 have to really want it. And you make a lot of sacrifices because you're working when your family's at home or when your family's having a birthday party and you have to go teach a yoga class. Or So there's a lot that you give up in order to have this job in the beginning. And then over time, you get to a position where perhaps you can be a little bit more selective about what you say yes to. And so I think you 
highlighting that's really important to mention again, because it's confusing when you're a new yoga teacher and you're just like, how does this work? How do I get more jobs? How do I get a steady income from this? And it's a steep learning curve, at least that first year, I think. And then things kind of level out. You get more networking opportunities. You get more jobs. You get more experience, which is probably the most important thing to make you a good teacher. I always joke, and everybody hates me for saying this, but the anybody can become a good yoga teacher. But the only way to become a good yoga teacher is to teach yoga. <laughs> yeah, 100% is to do it. You know what? I also think... How am I going to say this? I think people are also really afraid, though, to take risks and fail. And they're afraid to talk about that because of how it's going to look. I, that is the thing I love the most about my age now is like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what it looks like out there. I don't, I've got no shame in my game. Like, I think when I was, when I was, younger and I I did have a very conventional job. I was a teacher that I had a corporate job and I was so concerned about and I am kind of conservative even this partnership like you're a little bit more risk taking. I am very much like you reel uh, me in. Yeah. I am really conservative with the decisions I make. So I'll I'll say that. But on the other hand, for myself person and I I like safety. I love a regular job. I love that kind of, you know, knowing what's coming in every month, um, taking the right steps. I feel a lot of safety in that. But on the other hand, I also have tried a lot of things. And this job has actually been so liberating for me because I've just put s- some stuff out there and it either lands or it doesn't. And I'm I'm pretty unconcerned. Like I do the work, I put my effort and what's out there is out there and how people respond to it. I have no control over, like it's in the ethers now. And once you really stop caring about how others perceive you and that kind of freedom, that's when you fly. Yes. You completely fly. And if you never fail, that means you aren't trying. If you're not out of your comfort zone, you have to take some risks. You have to, I say, take cheap risks. Don't take massive financial risks. But if it's just the risk is putting yourself out there and not knowing if you're going to embarrass yourself or not, embarrass yourself, it's worth it. Because a lot of the time, number one, no one cares. Number two is nobody's watching you. And that's what makes life exciting. That's what makes it a magical kind of dance. And you don't know what's going to happen. And you do get more opportunities by just trying stuff and seeing what happens and whether it lands or not. And it does get you to the next phase of your growth. So yeah, at this phase of my career and my life and my personal relationships, not being afraid to fail or what it looks like has been just such a beautiful thing. I mean, we wouldn't have talked about this topic like, okay, we were there was one part of our business we were trying to cultivate and it felt heavy and it didn't feel like it was flowing. And I don't know if it was a failure because nothing bad happened, but trying things and having it not work out. I love that. I love everything you just said, because it's so important. We get so afraid to take risks because I don't think it's because we're afraid to fail. I think it's because we're worried about what other people will think if they perceive us to have failed. Yeah. And so we get crippled by 
in our mind, it's all made up. It's all fantasy. We get crippled by what we think other people are thinking about us. And it's human nature, I think, to want to kind of fit in and to be seen as being a good person or whatever. Or have other people think, oh, they're doing so well. They're doing like this or that. And it's like, I I don't, I have, yeah, I don't give a shit about that at all. Right. Well, now at this stage in my career, I don't think about it very often at all. There was a time in my career where I thought about it a lot too much, probably. And it did impact some of my decision-making for sure. And that makes me a little sad that that was, I was so swayed by what I thought other people were thinking of me. But that's also kind of like, I can have some grace with that because I was younger and it, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just trying to make something happen for myself. And that's a normal process to go through for sure. And so if anybody is there right now, like I get it, I totally get it. But eventually you can come to a space where that does not enter the equation anymore. Like for me, my equation is all about my family time, time with my son, what is going to allow me to conserve my energy, to take care of my nervous system, to be inspired about what I'm doing and have a sense of peace in my life. And if I get caught up in a popularity contest or I get caught up in what does it look like, then that detracts for me personally. That detracts from my ability to be present with the things that I love in my life. And yes, one thing I'll say about this, which is kind of has been a, a big change for me, a big shift for me is my decision to stop teaching at yoga festivals. And I've taught at yoga festivals for well over a decade. Yeah, we talked about that. I was like, is that something you want to be at right now? Like you couldn't pay me to do that right now. So you go as an attendee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think yoga yoga events are really important to our community and a really important place for connection to occur. But I mean, I used to travel and go to all these, teach at all these festivals, Finland, Portugal, all over the US. I was in Sedona and Santa Fe and Joshua Tree and it was fun at the time and I enjoyed it at the time and I made good connections, but ultimately it never really propelled my career forward, whatever that means. I don't, I have no idea. I don't want to use a porta potty. I don't want to use a porta potty. I'm saying yeah. it. Like fuck yeah. no. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And it just it was a, a really tool. big realization for me because you know, when I was talking earlier about like you have a plan and you have like, okay, I need to do this and this has to be part of my marketing package and this has to be something I'm doing. And uh, yes, I did make money from some of the festivals, not all of them. And they were a lot of fun at the time. But in terms of where I want my career to go now, it's no longer useful. It's no longer helpful. And in fact, it's a big drain on my energy to travel and spend three or four days at a festival and be teaching all these classes. And so for me, I made the decision. I'm like, oh, how interesting. That no longer is in in alignment with where I want to be and what I want to do and what's important in my life now. And to be able to let go of that with clean hands and clean energy has been so Mm. freeing for me. And I just want to give that as an example of like, we're allowed to change our mind and we're allowed to have this adjustment to create our career. Or outgrow, outgrow. I think it's also just like, when you've outgrown something, yeah, that's it. That is just such a natural process. Like I used to love 
you know, I would have loved going, I loved going to like music festivals, camping, sleeping outside, doing all that stuff. No, I don't want to do any of that stuff anymore. And that's okay. I'm at a different phase of life. Um, when we were talking about our partnership, um, the things that always keep coming up, which I didn't pay as much attention to because I didn't need to. And I did spend a lot of time at home when I first, you know, when my kids were small, I I was home the whole time. And then when I did this job, which was great, it was flexible, but I sacrificed a lot of time. I mean, I worked all Sundays for a couple of years. I was out at night, my kids were sleeping, but I made a lot of sacrifices. Now, the most important thing to me is number one, I do want to be inspired because when I'm inspired and I'm happy, I show up better in this house with my children, with my family, for my friends. I'm the best version of myself when I'm inspired and when I'm taking care of myself, which means sleep, food, exercise. Best Tracy, okay? Mm -hmm. Bad Tracy is someone who is running around like a lunatic calling you in the car, going from class to class. I mean, you know, I did that for like a long time. I'm always on the phone with my friends because I was traveling just within Oslo so much. Um, yeah. Is it, is it sustainable? Can I work the way I'm working? Yeah. Sometimes we have more work on, or we have to hustle a little bit more, but is this a sustainable thing for me? And do I have space in my life to spend it where I want to? Like we have a finite amount of time on this earth I want to spend it with the people I love and I don't want to be constantly um, hustling. I I also do really love working. Like that's who I am. I've always been a hard worker. I love to work. Um, and I know when I don't have energy to for my job, then that's when I need to adjust. So yeah, it's just this constant checking in and I don't know. I mean, it's so funny because we wanted to record this when we're in a really good place and we've been in just such a good place lately. Uh, it's really fun to kind of share when you're when you're on a high, I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, but also we have had some down periods for sure too. So it's not like it's just a high, but we've come through the other side, both personally and, and as a, a partnership. And it's... For me, the message has been so clear that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And it was hard when I was in some dark spots and COVID was just such a crazy time for everybody. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. And then having such a long rebound period from COVID and trying to figure out the yoga industry was hit really hard by COVID. And so trying to figure out what does it look like now has been a question, I think, on everybody's mind. I mean, every yoga teacher I've talked to, every studio owner I've talked to, both in the US and in Europe and in Norway, everybody's been asking the same questions of like, how are we, how are we showing up now as a yoga community? And I think that's so cool because there's a lot of opportunity to reinvent, maybe not reinvent, that's the wrong word, but to reimagine how we want to create space for our community. And you and I are doing that in our own small little microcosm way. And that's so fun. And it's so cool to feel the energy and the momentum again. Because for me, I was at there such is. A right before COVID and then dipped down really low. And then now it's back up again. And I'm just like, this is fun. This is why I love doing this job and being in the wellness space and being excited and inspired. And it just took some time. 
and that also is like that trust part of the of the mantra is like that saying the only constant in the world is change. A hundred percent the cycles of life. The cycles of life and riding those waves of when you're high, you get to celebrate and enjoy and feel good and hopefully harness some of that energy in a positive way. And when you're feeling low, you just have to sit with it and you just have to unfortunately be a little patient and take your hands off the wheel a little bit. Because if you're trying to force something when you're in a period of heaviness or darkness, it's in my my personal experience, it's never worked out. <laughs> I've had to like just get the message the hard way several times. Like, all right, Jess, it's time to take a step back, sit with yes. what's going on right now, and then revisit. Come back another time. And you've got to enjoy those highs because when you have lived long enough and there's a lot more living to do, you know that there are going to be hard times coming. So like right now, I'm in, I'm really enjoying that space to just feel really good and enjoy the good times and know when I'm in the bad times, yes, you have to sit with it. You're going to have to learn the same hard lesson. If you don't learn it the first time, it'll get you again. But at yep. some point, those hard times, you you might have to be there for a while, man. And but at some time, at some point it will shift. Um, and it just inevitably does. And actually that's, that's kind of the yoga off the mat is Mm. that you learn to be in discomfort on the mat so you can deal with the discomfort and the patience to sit in it off the mat. And at some point you will move, you will shift that, that breath will be, you'll be in flow again. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to what's next. I know we're being very cryptic, but you know, there is, we're holding our bound, maybe we'll talk about boundaries. We're holding our boundaries for what's private for us. And, and we don't want to say too much. Um, yeah, maybe next time we'll talk about boundaries, but we'll have a boundary with the podcast. And, you know, we don't know who's listening. I mean, we're, we're pretty open, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll share more as we go through this, but I think it's time to probably wrap it up and get out of our beds. I think it's time to, um, say goodbye. So thank you, Tracy. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And to everybody listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have an amazing day too. Bye guys. Thanks. Bye. See you soon.